Sports Pan lives here on ESPN-UP, online with our app, Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along Tuesday afternoon. John Michael Hofling of ABC10 in studio with me. What's up, Michael? Not much, man. Feels good to be here. It's always good to be here. Always man. good to have you here. You bet. What's been going on over at ABC? Finding stuff to do during the summer? The doldrums? <laughs> if, if I could find stuff to do, I'd be doing stuff. There's just not much nowadays, you know? Uh, still, still looking for stuff. Still trying to do stuff. You know, uh, we tried to do a thing with Travis Ojala that didn't work out, but it was, he was a great interview. I hope the best for him in Michigan Tech. And now, you know, we're looking for stuff like I'm hoping to do something with Matt Mackerzak, mm-hmm. and uh, I really want to do something on Philip Blue because it's it's a good story about him. So, yeah, just looking for stuff, but haven't really been able to put anything together. Also tried to get some with the UP Charter Fishing. You heard of them? Yeah. Okay. Wanted to get some with them, but they're booked till August, so it's a profitable summer for them, I guess. I tell you what, you've got stuff coming up, even though we are in the doldrums right now. We're a little over a month until high school football starts, and then college 51 days I away. I can't wait. This is going to be fun. I can't wait for football. I know. I'm so excited. I know. Everything about it. It goes high school, then college, then the NFL, like one right after the other. It's going to be so nice. I love the season of fall. But we don't really get it up here. It goes from, like, summer, two days of Indian summer, and then it's winter. <laughs> like, it snowed October 5th last year. It was our that, first snowfall. That, that's tough. Did it snow- that was tough. Dude, what, what, what's it like? Or has, it, has it snowed on Halloween or something? Cause I, I feel don't like, think it did last year. Because I feel like that just, like, doesn't make sense. I know the first snowfall was October 5th. It didn't last long, thankfully, but it wasn't fun. It just seemed weird, man. It, it was out. weird. Yeah. It is weird. I think anywhere in the world, whether you're from California or you're from Iowa, snow that early is weird. Yeah, snow at all is weird to me. Well, yeah, but I mean, you you, you, you go pl- never grew up. You with go it. for the snow to places when you're when you live in California for the most part. I tell you what, Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. No threat of snow today. It's it's pretty humid out it's there. It's nice, man. I like it. Always, I like it. Always but it's, better after the rain. It is pretty nice after the rain. It tells me when it gets this humid that it's going to rain again. So I'm looking forward to that yeah, coming good. up later tonight. Good. Yeah, I love rain. I love Same. storms. Yeah, Same. nothing wrong with that. Gosh, especially in the summer. We should be friends, Tanner. We are friends. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, we've got a lot to get to today. Madden ratings came out yesterday. Oh, who boy. was too high? Who was too low? We're going to get to that. Plus, Ben Simmons got paid. Should he have? Plus, the Cowboys contract situation. But we're going to start with this. I've got a list of MLB position players who could be trade bait here in the next two weeks. Trade deadline in two weeks. We already saw Martin Maldonado get dealt to the Cubs last night. Mike Montgomery is going back to Kansas City. So I'm going to give you this list. You give me your thoughts on some of these guys, where they could end up, who could be potential fits for them. And the first one I've got on here, this might be the big prize, if they can find a way to get him away from Kansas City. But Whit Merrifield, he was locked up to a four-year deal, $16.3 million extension this winter, but that doesn't mean that he's there for the long term. Yes. Uh, he's not there for the long term, but they're not going to give up on him so easy. Not yet? No, not even close. It makes me think because he's locked in for at least four years, and the Royals are still well over four years away from being serious contenders. I mean, they have a serious rebuild in front of them. They don't know that, man. They, We know that. They may not want to accept that, but we know that. Maybe better early than late to get rid of Merrifield, see what you can get back I for I think him. four years is a lot. Give it at least one or two, because people will still pay a lot of money for really good players with two years left on the contract. Two years is a lot to, to contend for. You get the most of the Merrifield, you develop him the way you want to. You keep. You, I mean, he's still a fantastic player. I doubt he's going to drop off anytime soon. So keeping him for an extra two years, keeping fans interested, keeping fans invested in somebody on that team... For another two years before you deal him out, even if and if you're on the rise and you think maybe like maybe after another two years they think, you know things aren't looking too bad. After another two years, maybe we could contend. Then you keep him. If that's not the case, then maybe after a couple of years when fans have gotten invested, when people have seen, all right, yeah, he's not dropping off, he's not a fluke, then you can deal him. But I think it's a little early. Here's another guy in a similar situation as Whit Merrifield, and that'd be Hunter Renfro. He's still got four years control after this season, but maybe that's the appeal to some team. Now, you, the Padres are trending up. They made moves this offseason. They got Manny Machado. They tried to bolster themselves. They're still a couple years away, and I know Renfro's a big part of being a contending team. If you deal him while he's still got four years control left, that may be attractive to a team who might be willing to give up a top-tier pitcher, something that could really fill a need for the Padres. For me, I don't think that any team would be willing to 
give up a top-tier pitcher for Hunter Renfro. He hasn't proven he can be overwhelmingly successful in the major, at the major league level. You know? I, what, what have you seen from him? I liked him. I like what really? I've seen from him. I'm not sure I'd give up like an all-star pitcher. Like, if I'm speaking from the twin standpoint, I'm not going to give up Jose Barrios or Jake Odorizzi. Well, I, w- I wouldn't think that, but I wouldn't even give up like a number one prospect pitcher or something like that. I might. You might? For four years control. If I can have Hunter Renfro, a really productive I, outfielder for four more years, I'd probably do it. I don't think he's been that productive, has he? I I, I would say he has. Okay. All I right. think he's been their best position player this year, and they went out and bought Manny Machado. And here's the thing about the Padres. They're, they're trending upward. Are they? Because this was the year that they were supposed to break out, and now they're currently the worst team in that division. Well, Not last set, place, but the Giants are 8-2 in their last 10. They set the bar so low for themselves last year. They, they are trending yeah, upward. I guess. <laughs> Uh, how about this one? Trey Mancini out of Baltimore. Ooh, He's still got like three that. more years of control, and Baltimore, can we agree, is still well more than three years away from contending. Yeah, you know, they might be 30 years away. <laughs> I was seeing a thing. It was uh, predicting how long before the Orioles could actually be a contender, and it mm-hmm. said, said 2037 is the, is the year that they could probably start putting something together. Weren't they in the playoffs three years ago? Yeah, something like that. Wow. Back when Chris Davis didn't strike out every at-bat. Nope. And Adam Jones was a monster. Mm-hmm. He's still a monster, man. I like Adam Jones. I like him, too. Yeah. But I tell you what, he could be a guy that they look to move because if they're going to rebuild before 2037, they're going to have to get some nice pieces back. And Mancini's really the only bargaining chip they have. I mean, you can get a couple prospects for him, you would think. I mean, you got to get the max out of Mancini. I think the Phillies could use him. Phillies would be a good option. Yeah. I know how high you are in their outfielders. <laughs> I mean, I'm high on Reese Hoskins. <laughs> I mean, Andrew McCutcheon's, Andrew McCutcheon's gone. You could put Bryce Harper in center field. He could play all three outfield positions. Sure. He's not good at center field. Right. You could put him in center field. And then even if you want to move Hoskins to the outfield, you could put Mantini at first. So I think he fits well with that rotation. Well, I tell you what, here's another one that's interesting because of his situation this season. Sterling Marte from Pittsburgh. Now, he missed 80 games with the... PEDs, PEDs, correct. Mm -hmm. But he's still got 17 doubles, 15 home runs, and 51 driven in so far. He's not a guy that you want to build around, but if he's going to help you contend toward the end. He's really, really, really good. He reminds me of like a 2011-2012 Melky Cabrera Mm -hmm. in that sense, where he's somebody who... Like was it, he was he was he was always good, but never really somebody that broke through. And now all of a sudden he's getting hits all over the place. He's shown some pop that he's never really had before. And even with the PEDs issue, Melky Cabrera too, he's still a very productive outfielder. And I think he should be he should be more targeted than somebody like uh, Hunter Renfro. I feel like I, I could agree with that. I don't know that you would bring back Marte after this season though. Renfro is a guy that you could have long term, partly because he's younger. I see people succeeding at age 35 now. Like, um, you remember Mark Teixeira? Yeah. Mark Teixeira, his age 35 season was, like, his second best season of his career. Mm-hmm. And he only had two more seasons after that. He retired two seasons after, like, the second best season of his career. Mm-hmm. You could still, for an age 30 guy, I mean, how old is Max Scherzer? 35, 30, Oh, 34? boy, he's up there. Yeah, he's still super productive. Mm-hmm. Justin Verlander's, what, 37? I don't know if he's that old. He's some, he might be mid-30s. Yeah. So people saying that, oh, 30's the cutoff now, not for baseball. I don't no. feel like that, that's the cutoff at all. I think you've still got six more good years out of Marte. I like it. I like that. How about these two? These two might be guys who might be tougher to move, that you aren't going to give up an arm and a leg for. Yasiel Puig and Nicholas Castellanos. Mm. What do you think? You got to give up an arm and a leg if you want them. Would you? Yeah. For Puig and Castellanos? Well, not in, okay, so here's the thing. If you want to contend... Because neither the Tigers nor the Reds want to give up Puig or Castellanos because they think that they are good talent, still young enough. I mean, Castellanos is still in his 20s, I believe. And Puig, obviously, is still in his 20s. So you don't want to give them up because you think maybe in a couple years before they end their baseball prime, which is 35, I think, mm-hmm. they, could still, uh, they could still have something to bring. And they could st- you know what? The Tigers are in last, but like I look at their highlights every single... Well, I look at their highlights and I look at game footage every single day. There's something there. They're a couple pieces away. Spencer Turnbull, I don't think he's the real deal, but he's definitely a solid rotational piece. So there's some good there's some good things. But when it comes to Castellanos, you want to keep him. So a team is really going to have to go overboard to get him. Well, and the other thing is a team would really have to pay to get Castellanos, and that might be the biggest detractor from someone picking him up. That's why I think you need to, he needs to go to a team that needs a designated hitter. 
that limits his options. You know, it slashes the possibility of teams for him basically in half. Yeah, I mean, he could also he could also go back to third base. He was not a bad third baseman either back when he was playing that. He's just a really bad outfielder. I just don't see him in the Tigers' long-term plans. Like, you're right, there's something special there, but there's a new wave, a new generation Ooh. of talent coming up. Ooh, this just came to me. Texas yeah. Rangers. It's a possibility. Texas Rangers are looking pretty good, man. How about James McCann catching for the White Sox? He's on a one-year deal, and he's had an all-star season with Chicago. But Chicago's not a contending team. They will be in a couple of years. Yeah, and selling out a guy like McCann to a contender could be the way to get a few pieces mm, back. I think that the catcher position is very short on like top talent right now. I think you need to keep somebody who he can be a state-of-the-art game caller. And I think that that's vastly underappreciated. For me, as a Giants fan, um, I used to watch Hector Sanchez and Buster Posey. And the thing is that Hector Sanchez was not a good... Uh, offensive catcher nobody ever wanted to see him play Mm -hmm. but he played two out of every five days because Tim Lincecum and Jonathan Sanchez back in the day all they ever wanted to do was all they ever wanted to do was throw to Hector Sanchez because Hector Sanchez knew how to call a game for them that is so underappreciated and there was some some vastly different thing Buster Posey is a great game caller Mm -hmm. but for some reason, somebody who understood Lincecum and Sanchez, their ERA differences were phenomenal when they were having Posey or uh, Sanchez behind the plate. It was something like a full .9 points or something like that. So, yes, I know, uh, or I, I really value someone who can call a game for his pitchers. So do you think that Giolito's taken a step forward not because of his mechanics, no. but more because of McCann? Well, I should well, say it has more to do with McCann. No, I, I think mainly a pitcher's success has to do with himself, but the, the fact is that a, a good catcher behind the plate can only help. Like Yadier Molina, the fact that he stuck around so long isn't mm-hmm. because he's a solid offensive catcher. He is, but the reason he stuck around is because he's like another pitching coach out there. When, whenever the, the coach wants to come out and take a mound visit, he doesn't want to waste that one per inning. So just, hey, Yadi, go talk to your man on the mound for a second. You get another mound visit there uh, out there with him. So having somebody like that, somebody like James McCann, who is a veteran now at this point in his career, just go out and talk to these young, up-and-coming pitchers for the White Sox helps a lot. I don't disagree with you, but the only reason I still might make that move after hearing all that is because next year they will get Wellington Castillo back from injury. And he's a big league catcher. I mean, he's not mm-hmm. James McCann, but he is good enough that if you're able to get a few prospects back from whoever you deal McCann to, it might be worth it. I think it could make How up How good for was it. that Orioles pitching staff with Wellington Castillo? Uh, that was the Orioles pitching staff. <laughs> I, they're still not very good, even with whoever they... Pedro Severino, I think, is yeah, their catcher right the now. Guy. I tell you what, a couple more here before we go to break. This one's an interesting one. Freddie Galvis has had a pretty nice year as the shortstop of the Toronto Blue Jays. He's on a one-year deal hitting two sixty-nine. Think about some teams who could use a shortstop here down the stretch. National League teams. National League talented shortstop is so short nowadays. Mm-hmm. You got Trevor Story and Corey Seager. Yep. Paul DeYoung. I get, oh, yeah, okay. Paul, Paul DeYoung's so up and down. Other than that, though, that it's slim pickings. Yeah, slim. I think the Chicago Cubs you could use somebody like him. How about this one? Alex Gordon from Kansas City. He's on an expiring deal. That's a veteran guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's somebody who has won a World Series, right? You need that leadership. So you want to give it... So, all right. That's a Washington Nationals right there. Think so? Somebody who wouldn't start. But it's like the same thing that the Milwaukee Brewers did with Curtis Granderson a couple of years ago, where it's mm-hmm. somebody who obviously wouldn't start. But they've been to the playoffs. They've won a World Series. Somebody who provides outfield depth to a contending team. Mm-hmm. I could see it. I could see it. Nationals would be a good fit for him. Last one I've got here before we hit the break. His numbers are down this year. Justin Smoke. He's going through a tough year in Toronto, hitting just 211. But you got to think there's still something left in the tank for him. Maybe not on an everyday basis with a contender, but in a pinch hit situation. You need a guy with power. I think the I think American League first base is the weakest position in all sports. (laughs) <laughs> it, it's so bad. It's so bad right now. Like, other than Jose Abreu, I don't know anybody who's been legitimately uh, solid and consistent over the past couple of years. Justin Smoke was the starting AL first baseman not long ago, two years ago. It's a weak position, man. So many teams could use Justin Smoke. Let's see. The top three first basemen in the All-Star voting this year were Abreu, Luke Voigt, and C.J. Crone. What about Carlos Santana? I think he got the DH slot, didn't he? Oh, okay, okay, okay. But, yeah, uh, okay. he would count, but I don't think it's because of his defense. Uh, 
okay, CJ Crone has not proven anything yet. This is one good year, whatever, right? And Luke Voigt, I think he's going to be really, really, really good. Yeah, so, I do too. Other than the Yankees and Rays, I think the Red Sox could use him. The Red Sox need something to spark. To spar- they need to make a trade. I, don't they have Michael Chavis at first because their top two oh options boy. are hurt? Oh I mean, boy. they're missing Steve Pierce and Mitch Moreland. Yeah, that's not good, man. And even when they come back, is that what you I know Pierce had that fantastic run during yeah, the postseason. I, th- I think Mitch Moreland is vastly underrated but that's like even mitch moreland was the all-star well, he was the he was an all-star last year that's how weak first base in the american league is moreland was an all-star <laughs> tanner hoops john michael hoefling with you we got to take a time out got a few more of these if you want to hit them up after the break yeah, that'd be cool check out the up's live and local sports talk show the sports pen weekday afternoons at four on espn up and on the espn up app Welcome back to the Sports Pan on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad to have you along as always. We continue our list of potential trade bait coming up here in the next couple of weeks when the trade deadline is here. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah. Speculate where these guys could be ended up. That's what sports is all about, man. That's what we love. That's what we do here during the doldrums of summer. We speculate. (laughs) We make stories out of nothing. Fake news. (laughs) I tell you what, how about Corey Dickerson? He was an all-star a couple of years ago. Injuries have hampered this season. Pirates are going to be sellers. I mean, they're hanging around in the division, but we all know they're not going to contend. They're probably going to sell. That would be the smart thing. A lot of teams could use the services of Corey Dickerson. Yeah, and as you said, somebody who gets hurt a lot, I think trading him would be the best possible option. I don't think he's what he was a couple of years ago when he was like fifth in the league in batting average, but still. I think you could get like a number three, number three and a number ten prospect or something. Sure, something like, like that. Two solid prospects. Yeah, get a couple of top prospects back. I, but, I mean, but injury riddled guys have worked out. I mean, have worked out especially this year. Look at Michael Brantley. Right, yeah. right. I mean, Cleveland. How much do you think they're kicking themselves letting yeah. him go? I mean, still Cleveland's in a playoff position right now. So instead, they try to replace him with Oscar Mercado. Jordan Luplo, although Mercado did have two home runs last night. Tyler Naquin, Bradley Zimmer. Yeah. That's the Indian outfield right now. Yeah, so if anybody's going to need an outfielder, it's going to be the Cleveland Indians. I'm still so. not convinced they're buyers yet. They're buyers. I don't know. They're, they're going to hold on. They're going to hold on to everything. The fact that they were one game away from winning a World Series not long ago, they're still in a playoff position in a weak division. But they were in the playoffs last year. Yeah, they lost, but it was to the best team this side of the century. Yeah, but their division may be weak, but they're still not going to win that division. Yeah, they're not going to win that division. Okay. 2014 was both... Okay, something I've... I did a thing on this. Where every year since the wild card rule was uh, implemented, where it was two wild card teams instead of one, every year except one, at least one, one team has made it to... At least one wild card team has made it to the CS, AL or NL. So I don't think the wildcard position is as bad as people think. In fact, twice, wildcard teams have won the World Series. In 2014, it was two wildcard teams. So I don't think being in a wildcard spot, and with the pitching rotation, which is consistent of three all-stars, four all-stars if you include Carrasco, but he's currently dealing with some stuff. Yeah, right? they don't get him and Kluber back till September. So if they can hang on, yeah. maybe. Yeah, but they have such a phenomenal pitching staff when it's all healthy mm-hmm. that... And that's all that matters in the playoffs, from what I've seen, at least. You, you're right in that sense. Let's say they don't sell. They get everybody back, and then they miss the playoffs, and then Trevor Bauer walks. Was that still the right move? Yeah. Well, okay, well, here, here, all right. It's, we can always say, oh, yeah, that was not a good move at the end of the thing. But if you have a chance, like the Indians are on the downslope. We all know, right? Mm-hmm. The Twins are passing them. The White Sox are coming up. The Indians are on the downslope. But as long as you still have that chance, you need to go for it with everything you got because one World Series is worth how many years of pain and torture. Fair enough. I could buy that. I tell you what, how about Todd Frazier? A couple of years ago, he was oh, the staple of the Cincinnati Reds, and now he's bouncing from team to team. I don't think he has any value. Don't think so? No, he's bouncing from team to team. Who wants a journeyman nowadays? He can still hit. Yeah, sort of. Father. He can still hit. Can he? Stick him as a DH somewhere. Get him out of the National League first and foremost. Take him away from the Mets. I mean, I guess if you can get some prospects for it, but you're like, there's not a single team out there that's going to be like, yeah, we'll pay his contracts. You're still going to pay that enormous contract. I don't think he'll go to a contender if he is traded at all. He may not be. 
because no one's going to want to pay that contract for a DH. But he might go to a team that's trying to get some hitters and try to reload some of those teams around the middle of the pack. I, 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 I just don't see it, man. I don't think any team is looking at their board right now going, you know who we need? <laughs> Todd Frazier. Modern day Todd Frazier. Yeah. Maybe five years ago, Todd Frazier. Maybe home run derby winner, Todd Frazier. <laughs> you mentioned Adam Jones earlier. Think he could be on the move? Yeah, I think he could. The same sort of thing that Marte could provide. Although I think Adam Jones is a little bit more of a leader than Marte, a little bit more of a clubhouse leader. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I used to work with Kaylee Kirby. Uh, she's in Toledo now or whatever. But her dad was the uh, outfield manager for the Orioles. So she has a lot of stories about Adam Jones. And it's just Adam Jones has always been this guy who leads – he doesn't trust analytics very much no. from, from what I've seen or from what I've heard. But he's somebody who wants to be out there, wants to consistently play, and the reason he took a deal from the Diamondbacks for a little bit less pay is because he'd be on a major league contract. Mm-hmm. So he's a, t- he's a player that obviously just wants to be out there and wants to enjoy himself. So I think a team that is slogging through, really pushing for something, going through the hardest days, when they get through that, if they make it to the playoffs, Adam Jones is going to be that guy that pushes them up and lifts their spirits. How about a guy like Eric Sogard? A lot of Blue Jays that are going to be selling out. Sogard's having a good year. He's hitting three hundred two. I uh, okay. I've seen like so many mixed things from Sogard. I mean, A's and Brewers. He was never anything special, but he always just sort of stuck around. And Aaron Power. Yeah, he always came up with like clutch hits. I, I mean, I guess getting on base thirty seven percent of the time. His contract is going to be up at the end of this season, so it's not like you have to bring him back. He could help you out. You mentioned his clutchness. Could help you out during the stretch. It could. I don't know what team would want... What team is even looking for a middle infield now? Cubs. Sort of. Yeah, well, Cubs, Cubs he's are, more of a second baseman. They need more of a shortstop. I mean, Javi could play shortstop. He could. How about Tampa Bay? They're dealing with some injuries up the middle. Brandon Lau. Joey Wendell is filling in there. About, Willie Adamas has how, been really disappointing. How about Colorado? Ooh, I like that. Who's their second baseman right now? McMahon? Ryan McMahon? Could be. Um, Pat Velika is one of them, but I don't think he's starting. No. Uh, the Mariners, their fire sale started a long time ago. They've still got D. Gordon. Think he could be of yeah. use? Yeah, I think he could be good. I think Mitch Hanniger is a much more is a much hotter commodity, though, mm. despite not having as good a year as he had last year. But still, I, I, Daniel Vogelbach is not on the table. No, he's no, you got to build around him. Yeah, you got to build around Vogelbach. I think Ryan Healy, uh, D. Gordon, and Mitch Hanniger should all be on the table. Though. Okay, I like that. Jose Iglesias, he's looked pretty good. Former Tiger. Yeah, not bad. Really good defender. Yeah. And he's not expensive. I mean, he's on fairly cheap contract. He can give you depth. Yeah, he's somebody who you, that you put in, in the late innings where you, you just need a glove out there. You need a good glove. He'll maybe get one at bad, but you don't really care about that stuff. That's what you need in the playoffs. You mentioned earlier Melky Cabrera. Think anyone would want him for a playoff run? Yeah, sure. He's been there before. Yeah, sure. He's not an everyday player, but he can give you dub. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, the, Mel, what, uh, Melky provides an all right bat now, I guess. Mm-hmm. He's never been that great of a fielder. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's got a couple shackton moments for right. really baseball. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I guess. It's, I mean, it's the same thing as Jose Iglesias, right? Except mm-hmm. the opposite, right? Decent bat, but an awful fielder. So, but he's cheap. Mm-hmm. He'll definitely be cheap. So yeah, if you can get him for like two of your or one of your lower end prospects, sure. Why not? How about here's the last one I have for you, and I'm not sure how high his value is, where his stock's at right now. Billy Hamilton in Kansas City. If you can get him for really cheap, just use him as a pinch runner. <laughs> just use him to steal bases. Use him for defense and stealing I bases. Did you imagine this? You imagine this, man. Like that's the thing, right? Uh, you could have somebody, like, here's what you could do. The Texas Rangers, right? Joey Gallo or Nomar Mazzara, pretty mm. good hitters. They hit a single. I know they don't normally hit singles, but, right. like, somehow they end up on first. Maybe they get walked or something like that. You're in the eighth inning. You're down by one in the wild card game, right? Now, all of a sudden, oh, man, we got Joey Gallo on first. We got one out. Who are we going to put out there? Billy Hamilton, man. Steals a base, ends up scoring on a sack fly. Now all of a sudden, oh, it's a tie game, and you still have Billy Hamilton out there for defense. Yeah, you don't have Joey Gallo out in the field anymore, but you were already, he just batted, so you're still a couple innings away from 
you would have been a couple innings away from Joey Gallo at that point anyway. If only you can teach him how to bunt, then you got something working. Oh, yeah. There we go, man. <laughs> just teach him how to bunt, and it'll work out fine. Every left-handed hitter nowadays, <laughs> just teach him to bunt, and they'll be on base 1,000% of the time. All right, so you're high on Billy Hamilton. I am, man. You'd make a deal I, for him. I think he could work in the right, in the right situation. As long as he understands his role. His role is not to be an everyday player. His role is to go out there and score runs. That's it. It's a good role for him. Yeah. If you if you make sure he knows his role, make sure he knows that that is his role, I think it could work out. I think the Royals want to move him anyway. They've already brought up Bubba Starling. They just want Billy out of there. Yeah, who's that other guy? Uh, uh, who's that other guy who's really fast that I really like on that team? Terrence Gore? Yeah. Yeah. I like him. He's too. got wheels. Yeah. But he hits even worse than Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I, I like speed, guys, man. You can do a lot with speed. <laughs> Remember back when the Royals won the World Series and they had Terrence Gore, Gerard Dyson, yep. and Lorenzo Kane? That's what speed do. Good times, man. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Let's take a timeout when we come back. The Madden all-snub team. Who was too high? Who's too low? Next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. John Michael Hoefling joins me in studio this Tuesday afternoon. Here's your SportsCenter update. Last night, Travis Darno became the first ever MLB catcher to hit a three-home run game from the leadoff spot as the Rays defeated the Yankees 5-4. to four. He's not even their starter. Yeah. Look at that. That's such a niche stat, though, I feel like. <laughs> oh, catcher from the leadoff spot. <laughs> it doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. The Memphis Grizzlies topped the Timberwolves 95-92 to win the NBA Summer League Championship. 21st overall pick Brandon Clark won the Summer League MVP. And finally, Major League Baseball umpires are required to wear black underwear while on the job in case their pants split. I bet you didn't know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> that is something. They have rules for it. I mean, you probably have rules what you can wear when you're on air. Do you have something like in case your shirt oh, splits uh, open? No. no, no. You I can't just, wear I, green with the screen behind you? I just bare-chested, man. Um, <laughs> uh, I will say, when I, when I was in college, they... Um, they had me do weather once, and mm. I said, "All right, I'm wearing I'm wearing a I'm wearing a green suit, like I'm wearing a green outfit." And they were like, "Okay, sure." Weather is the one place where you can you can do that, I guess. Mm-hmm. But no, nah, you can't do that with sports. Why did you have a green suit? Ah, because I wanted to, man. <laughs> Where'd you get I it? I knew it would come in come in handy one of these days. You can get anything at Party City, man. Party City. <laughs> you can get anything at. Party was it like City. a leprechaun Halloween costume? No, it was just a green suit, like the Riddler. Yeah, sort of like the Riddler. <laughs> Tanner Hoops and John Micah Hoefling with you once again. Madden 20 released their ratings for their upcoming video game yesterday. Four players got the max 99s. Aaron Donald, DeAndre Hopkins, Khalil Mack, and Bobby Wagner. Does, does that last one, uh, does that last one uh, make you feel weird? Yeah, that's the most surprising one. The most memorable thing Bobby Wagner's ever done for me is catapulting himself over the Vikings on Monday Night Football. Well, that's the thing about middle linebacker, And getting right? away with it. Well, that's the thing. You, you never hear about the, the linebacker position. Like, you hear about outside linebackers all the time, but middle linebackers never do anything spectacular. They just stuff runs mm-hmm. and command the defense. And I, uh, so here's the thing. I've talked to a lot of people about this, and they, they all say the same thing. Bobby Wagner's the one guy who... They, they're not sure if he deserves it, but he's either the best or second-best middle linebacker in the league. And, yeah, he's not going to rack up the sacks or whatever, but I'll tell you what, leads the league in tackles almost every single year. He's top five in the league in tackles every single year, and despite losing every single piece of the Legion of Boom, the Seahawks' defense is still somewhat formidable because of almost exclusively Bobby Wagner. I could buy he's one of the top two middle linebackers in the league, but not a 99 player. I'd have given him like a 94. Well, Luke Keekley got 99 once, right? just don't know that Bobby Wagner is ever going to compare to Luke Keekley. Maybe he will. Oh, but Bobby Wagner absolutely compares to Luke Keekley. You think so? I think so, man. I don't know. Bobby Wagner is legit. The thing is, I remember Luke Keekley for more than getting away with one illegal play on Monday Night Football. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Luke Keekley had that one season where he had like six interceptions or whatever, but like that's not what a middle linebacker has to do. Like, Everybody remembers Vince Wilfork for that season, or for that season <laughs> where he had two interceptions in back-to-back weeks, right? Mm-hmm. 
But he was just a solid defensive tackle other than that. And everybody respected him. Nobody respected his ability to intercept the ball, but you remember him because of that. I tell you what, the other name that surprised me those top four, DeAndre Hopkins. Are they saying he's the top receiver in the Like, I'm not denying I'd, he's I'd a 90s that. player. You think he's the top receiver in the I, league? I'd say he's the top receiver in the league. I mean, he's up there for me. Top three, sure. Top five, no doubt. But number one? Who would you put at number one? I don't know who I'd put at number one, but a lot of receivers come to mind before DeAndre Hopkins. Mm, I don't know. DeAndre Hopkins, like, I play a lot of fantasy football. Sure. And DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins is always uh, one of the first, or for the past three years, he's been the, one of the top two guys taken off the board in terms of wide receivers. Mm-hmm. The other being Antonio Brown. But now that Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown, he, he's no longer taking that spot. So, yeah, I think Hopkins... I think Hopkins deserves it. And by the way, Antonio Brown got a ninety-eight. Yeah, I, know. I, I don't think I don't think I don't think he deserves that. His intangibles are like a zero. That automatically drops him like twenty points down. I respect what he does. I could even give him a high nineties. But to say he's one of the top four players at any position, which is what Madden is saying here, I just can't say that. I just I don't see DeAndre Hopkins as being the top that the NFL has to offer. I don't know, man. I, I think he is right now. Like who who is better? Than I'm not him? against it. It's just I don't. You're know. You're so lukewarm on this. Dude. I am lukewarm about it. <laughs> I tell you what, some of the others who were uh, up near the top, Julio Jones was on there with a 98. Luke Keekley got a 98. I think that's high for right now. I'm just going to say that okay. where he's in his career. David Bakhtiari got a 98. Oh, I yeah. still think that's high for him. Really? He, well, I know he's the highest-rated offensive lineman in the game. Trent Williams is the second highest at 95. Mm-hmm. I think I, I don't know. There are a couple guys that I'd probably put ahead of Bakhtiari. I think uh, Travis Frederick when he's healthy. Marshall Yonda. I know he's old, but he's still incredible. How about Quentin Nelson? Quentin Nelson. It's one year. I I think his rating right now, which is an 86, uh, I think that's low. Mm-hmm. But it's still just one year. Zach Martin. Zach Martin's another guy, David DeCastro, uh, Tyron Smith. About Alejandro Villanueva. Like him? Obviously, I like him, but um, I don't don't think he's a top offensive lineman. How about Todd Gurley getting a 97? That's so upsetting to me. Overrated. He he did nothing at the end of last year. Got replaced by C.J. Anderson, and everybody was like, oh, C.J. Anderson is better than Todd Gurley right now, and everybody was like, oh, you know. Todd Gurley, 97. Gurley's best days are behind He's him. He's three points ahead of Zeke. I think Zeke deserves it more. I, I would put Zeke, Kamara, and McCaffrey all above uh, all above Gurley. Where would you put Saquon? Oh, I'd put, Saqu- I put Saquon you? above Gurley. Okay. Yeah. I've, that's, that's just one I forgot about. I think that Gurley, I, I just think Gurley's best days are behind him due to injury. Mm, uh, I think because of the wear and tear. And he's got an arthritic component to it. That's yep. never going away. Yep. I just don't see the, his NFL career going upward from here. Is there any position that gets more broken down so easily than NFL running back? Absolutely not. And, like, you, we were going to talk about Zeke later in the show, but mm-hmm. that's part of the reason. Like, I did not like the fact that Le'Veon Bell set out because it just inspires this thing of, oh, you're not paying me enough? <laughs> Screw you, right? It encourages no sort of loyalty or no sort of passion for the game but after seeing what happened with Le'Veon what's happening with Todd Gurley what's happening with Melvin Gordon I'm sort of understanding it where it's Le'Veon still got paid a bunch a ton that's another year that the the fact that he took one year off might add three years to his career maybe I don't blame any running backs now I don't think Melvin Gordon is going to end up sitting out. I think he will play. I don't know how much this year. Let me play you something from last Thursday's show that I'm pretty proud of. Melvin Gordon is extremely talented. If he plays the full season, he's pretty much a guarantee to get 1,500 yards. But playing the full season has been something he really hasn't been able to do since coming to the NFL. He knows the shelf life for a running back isn't long in the NFL. So he wants to get paid. He wants to get locked in for a contract. I tell you what, I'm not surprised by this. Le'Veon lit the fuse, and Melvin Gordon is the first explosion. This is going to keep happening more and more. I'll even look into the future and tell you the next one to do it. It's going to be Ezekiel Elliott. He's going to be the next one to threaten a holdout. Right on the nose, man. Not bad, huh? That was pretty good. I appreciate it. I tell you what, though, with the Cowboys situation where Zeke wants to get paid, Dak wants to get paid, and Amari Cooper wants to get paid, you're not going to be able to pay all of them top-tier money. If you're Jerry Jones... 
Do you give top wide receiver money to Amari Cooper? No. I don't either. No. You gave up way too much for him. It was a bad deal from the beginning. You hate to let him walk, but... That's not going to make you a title contender. Exactly. You, you, you need to give your quarterback quarterback money. Quarterback's the most important position in all the sports. Well, and here's the tough part. This is going to be the tough decision for the Cowboys. There is a clear winner when regarding who's more talented between Dak and Zeke. Mm-hmm. But yet the quarterback position is just something so valuable. Dak, if I were to rank him, I think his tops for me would be 15th in the NFL. Yeah, you know, if I were to rate him, I'd give him like an 81 out of 100 or yeah, something. He's just not that elite of a quarterback, yet he's brought his team to the playoffs. He's a good game manager. Well, he's good on third down. How much of that can be attributed to, one, Zeke, and two, his offensive line, which when healthy is arguably the best in the game, behind maybe only Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. right? I would agree with that. And even last year, it was all of a sudden, oh, Dallas's defense is incredible with Leighton Van Der Esch and uh, all, all, those, all those dudes. Dak is like, a lot like Chipotle, right? Where you okay. have, I don't know, man. He, he's supposed to be the meat. The meat of the burrito is supposed to be the most important part, right? It's supposed to be the part that makes it, right? But, uh, and you have all the other pieces. You have good cheese. You have good sour cream, whatever. But for some reason, it's just not the right thing. And I don't know, man. It, 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 he he just doesn't seem to fit at all. And like you have all the pieces, and you like, oh man, it's pretty good, but something's missing. And it's because of, it's because of that big part. Where yeah, it might seem small because it's only one part of the whole thing, but it's the most important part. And he's just not doing it. Chipotle is life, man. <laughs> I tell you what, with Zeke, he's the best player of those three that's demanding to get paid, but you really can't in the NFL you really can't give a running back more than a three-year contract no you just can't they're gonna get hurt yeah I mean that that's why the NFL is moving to I mean look at the look at every single team that make the Super Bowl over the last couple years right Mm -hmm. the Los Angeles Rams yeah they have Gurley but like even when they got to the Super Bowl it wasn't Gurley it was Gurley CJ Anderson combined with a couple other guys New England Patriots have never had a three down back for the entirety of their thing, right. for the entirety of their dynasty, Philadelphia Eagles—they had J.J.I.E., Corey Clement, all those guys, Legarrette Blunt, all working together. When are people going to realize that? Yeah, a committee back is just how it works now. I don't think that there there is not one team that will make the Super Bowl this year with a three-down back. I think the Colts would be a popular pick to make the Super Bowl, and they really don't have a star running back. Well, they have Marlon Mack, right? Yeah, but, but he's not a star running back. He's not a star, and even still, he's going to get uh, he's going to get um, downs taken away from him from Naheem Hines, who's another guy that's like supposed to be highly regarded. Yeah, right. There, there are no teams that really get a step up with a star running back. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hovling with you. Before we get to the break, a couple other rankings I want to throw out there. Von Miller got a 97, J.J. Watt a 97, Odell Beckham 96. Uh, the top quarterback, though, Patrick Mahomes got a 97. Agree or disagree? I mean, I agree based on his one season, right? I agree. I agree that Mahomes is the top quarterback. However, I think he will have a down year this year. I, I, and it won't to reflect last, on him yeah, because compa- he's he's missing so many weapons. Yeah, compared to last year, yeah, it's going to be a down year. But, I mean, he's going to, he's going to be phenomenal. Talent-wise, he's not going to take a step back. Yeah. He just won't have the weapons. Yeah, what bothers me isn't his 97 rating. It's his 99 throw-on-the-run rating. Mm. He has perfect accuracy <laughs> on the run. That's going to... Be- um, that's gonna that's gonna make a lot of people throw. Well, he did do that left-handed pass. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, we better not see that in Madden, man. <laughs> there are, they already put the no-look pass, and I can't wait to see him do that twenty times a game. Now. Did you see? You can now snub Tom Brady's high five in Madden. Yeah, that's Isn't so that awesome. great. That's so awesome. <laughs> uh, here's the last one, and I I think we're in consensus about this. Aaron Rodgers got a ninety. Yeah. Too low. That's too low. Way too low. Yeah. I mean, he's seventh among quarterbacks. So Madden straight up thinks Rodgers is in a top five QB. And that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, if you do it just based on last year, maybe, sure. And I think that they are doing it just based on last year because Phillip Rivers is the third highest rated quarterback. Mm-hmm. And that's ridiculous. I think Lamar Jackson was higher than Sam Darnold. That's, okay, that's... <laughs> okay, here's another thing. Matt Stafford is rated lower than Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just like... What? Did you see where Golden Tate said that Matt Stafford, not Russell Wilson, is the best quarterback he's ever played for? 
That's it's it's some I don't know. Russell Wilson does a lot of does a lot of stuff on his own too. And I don't know. I don't know. There are a couple things that could go into that. Like Matt Stafford, he's worked in a system where he definitely has a number one receiver, right? Mm-hmm. It was Calvin Johnson, then Golden Tate, and yada yada yada. Moving on, moving on, moving on. But he definitely had a number one receiver and would constantly throw to him. Whereas Russell Wilson's sort of been in a system where, oh, he sort of throws to whoever, whether it's Jimmy Graham or Tyler Lockett or Doug Baldwin or Golden Tate. So he spreads the ball around more. So maybe just the fact that Stafford looked more Golden Tate's way more often, maybe that's what... Stafford utilizes his slot receivers a lot better than Russell Wilson, which is about the only reason I could think that Tate would like him more. Because stats-wise, they're not comparable. Yeah. So Russell Wilson is definitely a better quarterback than Stafford. How about Eric Ebron? He got a 90 when he led the league in touchdowns by a tight end last fair. year. I think yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Travis Kelsey was the highest-ranked tight end, which I also like at 96. But Ebron wasn't happy about I'd say, it. I'd say, Zerk, uh, I'd say Zach Ertz probably deserves the highest Okay, rank. yeah. I think Ertz blocks a lot better than Travis Kelsey. Ertz could be up there, you bet. I love some of the reactions of guys who feel that they've gotten snubbed. Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. Did yeah. you hear his? Crazy. If you didn't, if in case any of our listeners missed it, you're going to hear it now. I will not be playing Madden 20. Period. All right. Number one, uh, my overall is at 89. For sure. Uh, my short route running is a 91. My medium route running is an 88. Like, my deep route run is a 75. Like, bro, who's making this dog? Wait, wait. Who did this? Speed's at 87. Like, bro, ain't nobody just running with me step for step like that, bro. Like, come on, dog. It's not that sweet out there, man. Like, what is you thinking? My strength is 69. Like, I'm a little boy. I'm just not understanding something. I'm not nice. understanding. I'm an 89 on the game. Pro Bowl back back. Thousand. He's got a few points in there. Yeah, I don't disagree with everything. No, I, I especially his strength. I think he's definitely better than Mike Evans and T. Y. Hilton. And his deep route running should be higher. Yeah, he's got a point. By the I, way, he recorded that in his car. I don't know if his speed is up there. Maybe but, not. I think his speed is about an eighty-seven, eighty-eight. Yeah. yeah, and that's still pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Tell you what, let's take our last time out. When we come back, Ben Simmons got paid yesterday, but should he have? That's next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Get our free mobile app from the Apple iStore or Google Play. Just look up ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad to have you along as we wind down this Tuesday afternoon. Yesterday, the Philadelphia 76ers showed Ben Simmons the money. Big mistake. I think it was. I think it was a huge mistake. Why do you think it was a mistake? Because it will never work. Embiid plus Simmons will never work. And now they've just given him a contract that makes him impossible to trade. No one is ever going to want to pick up Simmons. And Embiid's more valuable to you than Simmons is. Yeah, I I, I agree. Embiid's the better player. He should be the thing you build around in terms of the offense. But I think Simmons is still really solid. He really is. But he's not the guy that you want to build around when he and Embiid are your top two players. That's just never going to work. I don't know, man. It's a point guard league, and yeah, he can't shoot. But, I mean, Giannis just won MVP, and he can't shoot. I, I wouldn't go that far. Giannis is a pretty good stroke for a guy his size. Basically, I think Ben Simmons is just the 1.0 to Giannis's 3.0, right? No. He's like a... You Too hot of a take. I'm not going to agree with that. Giannis is just a better version of Ben Simmons, in my opinion. No. Why? No, because he has somewhat of a jump shot. He's better at attacking the yeah, rim. I no, mean, Ben Simmons has one move. It's an unstoppable <laughs> move with that baby sky hook, but he has one move. That, that, that's what I'm saying is they're both players that try to get to the rim, try to avoid shooting, but when push comes to shove, if they do have to shoot, Giannis is better. If they do have to go to the rim, Giannis is better. It's just they're the same sort of player, but Giannis is just better at everything. I think Simmons is a better ball handler. Yeah, well, yeah, because he's a point guard. He just right. has to, he just has to be. I don't think you can compare them. They're apples and oranges. Two I, different, I, I two different that, positions. I think they're very comparable. I mean, in some ways, in the sense they're tall and shooting's not their strong point. And they're both foreign. Like, <laughs> yeah, come on, man. I'm joking. But, um, I mean, it's like I've said this on the show a lot. I just think a point guard needs to be able to facilitate an offense. I don't think necessarily they have to shoot. And if Ben Simmons, if ben Simmons can notice that, should he, should he have gotten Supermax money no but 
if he can understand his role and not try to be this, the, the second scoring option on that team, they, they can treat it like a nugget situation where it's just have Embiid run, have it all run through Embiid. Have Embiid be the Jokic in this situation. But you have a better facilitator than the Nuggets have, obviously. I think Simmons could work out. The problem being Embiid isn't healthy enough for the offense to run through him. He doesn't play a full 82-game season. And Simmons, I get, you know, you can get away with having a point guard facilitate, that the point guard doesn't need to be a shooter. Somebody's got to be a shooter on that team. And pretty much it's Tobias Harris with Josh Richardson and Al Horford as your top three shooting options. uh, where's, J- where's J.J. Redick now? New Orleans. Oh, yeah, that's right. Philly's just not going to be able to shoot in this NBA. Now, they're going to be maybe the best defensive team behind the Clippers in the NBA this year. But that's not what wins you games anymore. No, shooting. Right. And, and they just can't shoot the ball. And that's why Philadelphia is not going to be as good as they were this past season. You're probably right. Uh, I'm, but I don't know. Something about Ben Simmons just makes me like... I mean, he is an all-star. He's a great player. Yeah. You, you can get away with being a great player and not being able to shoot, Okay, but you can't on this team. So oh, yeah. So here's the thing, then. Do you think any team uh, can win with Ben Simmons? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think you can build around Ben Simmons, but you need to build up shooters around him. Okay, so just a team that's full of shooting. So, like, let's say instead of D'Angelo Russell, the Warriors got Ben Simmons, and they put Ben Simmons at the three or something. I think that'd be a great the three. Thing. Yeah. Okay. I think he's a glorified four that can handle the ball. <laughs> Maybe, man. Maybe. I think that'd be, that'd be perfect for him if he got teammates like Steph and Clay. That'd be the most unstoppable team probably that they put together. Really? More so than Durant? I think they gel better than Durant. Oh, wow. Okay. He's not as talented as Durant, but he's younger. He's more healthy. So then what if you put him on Brooklyn with, with Kyrie and KD? You could do that. I don't know why we're even talking about this. I know. Because we, we just said no. he's ne- he's never going to go anywhere on his new contract. He's not. Nobody's going to want to pick up that contract. They are going to be stuck building around Embiid and Simmons, and it's never going to work. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with you. I don't think it's going to – like, I don't think it's going to work in the sense that I just don't think uh, they're going to have enough money to get any – like, they couldn't win with Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is better than Al Horford. Mm-hmm. And, like, Al Horford might fill a need, sort of, but now they don't have Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. So if they couldn't do it with Jimmy Butler, they're not going to be able to do it without. Right. Now and they have a shooting need. Come to think of it, like, they, were, they, were, they got the closest to being the Raptors of anybody, right? They did. It took seven games and four bounces to eliminate yep. Philly. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there was something there. I think they'll be – they might be – okay, here's what they might be. They'll, ne- they'll never make it to a finals, right? Can no. we say they'll never make it to a finals? Not with this team. But they're going to eliminate one team. At some point during this run with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, they're going to eliminate like three teams over this next seven-year period. Where it's like this is the team that's a favorite in the favorite in the East, and as the four seed, Philadelphia is going to knock them out in the second round. I mean, they have talent, they do, but they don't have talent to make a run. They're going to be the scariest non-title contender. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. How about if you put Simmons on this past defending champion Toronto team? I think if he played the post for them, surrounded by shooters. Could, could they shoot? I thought they could. I mean, Kawhi certainly could. Lowry was a good shooter. Siakam. Siakam was all right. But he was pretty good. Lowry was Lowry was streaky. Gasol, Gasol's a good shooter for a center. I mean, I, I guess. But, I mean, I don't know. I tell you what, circling back to football before we sign off, this came out earlier today. The power rankings, the NFL power rankings of the 32 teams' power rankings for the next three years. Field Yates and Lewis Riddick here at ESPN put this together. Any idea who they think the team that's best set up for the next three years in the NFL would be? Kansas City, because Patrick Mahomes. They're number four. Okay. Ah, uh, not the Los Angeles Rams, because they're they're, they're spending way too much. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe... You know what? My, no, the Chicago Bears, Mitchell Trubisky, still on his rookie contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to think of somebody. Oh! Uh, all right. This is going to be either a really good one or a really bad one. But the New York Jets. No. Okay. Crap. They uh, are actually, I think, 30th. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, I told you it was going to be either really good or really good. Because I, mean, I thought, you know, maybe he sees potential in Sam Darnold or whatever. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell's wrapped up. Uh, I don't know, man. Who they? Patriots are number two. Okay. Philadelphia's three. And number one, Indianapolis. 
That, yep. I like that. Yep. They have a good young core. They I have a good head coach. I was doing my season predictor uh, two days ago, mm-hmm. and... I think Philadelphia. Uh, I think Indianapolis is probably going to walk away with or walk away from the regular season with the one seed in the AFC. They could. They very well could. I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Here's the bottom of their list for teams that are worse set up for the next three NFL seasons. Hold up, Miami Dolphins. Yes, they are dead last. Yes. Twenty eighth is Cincinnati. I got to correct myself. The Jets are 29th, not thirtieth. Oh, so the Jets, even better. Jets are 29th. Arizona is thirtieth. Thirty first, the New York Giants. Think about it. The New York Giants should probably be lower than the... Because circling back to Madden ratings, did you see that Daniel Jones is ranked lower than three undrafted QBs? Ouch. That's got to hurt, man. Did you see there is one Oklahoma Sooner who's got a 90 percentage. Uh, His ranking is in the 90s, and it's not the number one overall pick. It is Marquise Hollywood Brown. The only Oklahoma product that made it to the NFL this year that has a ranking in the 90s. It's not Kyler Murray. Marquis, wait. Marquise Hollywood Brown, the new wideout for the Baltimore Ravens. No, he, no, no, no. No way. <laughs> he has a rating in the 90s? Uh-huh. He's the only Sooner. I don't agree with it. I don't totally agree with what Madden's done. I don't agree with it either. Oh, There's well. so many things they get wrong. Could you imagine just having a job where somebody comes in, just gives you a grade, like a number grade on what you're doing? Like someone Could comes you imagine in here, being an NFL player? Is that what you're saying? No, I mean, like, what if some guy just walked in? Some, it's not even like your boss, but some guy you've never met just walks in and says, audio editing, 87. Uh, <laughs> microphone diction, um, enunciation, 94. You got pretty good enunciation. I'd give you a higher Well, thank you. Thank you very much. That was just an example. But, yeah, I would, uh, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, see? It, it, you know, and it might make me want to be better at it. See? Like, yeah, I might pull Keenan Allen where I'm like, my speed ain't 87. I got to work on that, I guess. Could you imagine explaining to, like, Vince Lombardi, going back and talking to him? Oh, he hate it. Someday, players are going to be motivated because of their ranking in a video game. Oh, he'd hate it. He'd quit football right then and there. He wouldn't even know what video games are, but he'd know enough to be like, I'm done with football. He would think America's gone down the toilet. <laughs> Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad to have you along as always. Appreciate you as always, my man. Anything Thanks, else man. going on at ABC 10 you've been working oh, on? Not much going on. Uh, I'm looking to do a, like, a bit of a disc golf report. Okay. I want to see what's going on with that, because it's good weather to go get disc golfing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Trying to look into something like that. Of course, we're covering Brewers and Tigers all the time. Michael's Monday Minute talking uh, is going to be talking about the Brewers and whether or not it's time to panic with them. Mm. But I think it might be. Lost last night, four to two, trying to bounce back against Atlanta. They've lost six. Uh, they've lost seven of their last nine. Uh, what was it? Twenty of their last twenty-eight. It's Ouch, not, has not been good. No. Well, once again, that is it for us. Glad to have you along, as always. I'll be out of the office tomorrow. I'll be back Thursday. No sports pen tomorrow. Extra hour of the Will Kane Show, once again, filled in for by Bob Wischusen. For John Michael Hoefling, my name's Tanner Hoops, signing off from ESPN WZAM in downtown Marquette, Michigan. So long, and we'll see you Thursday.